All right, everybody, it's that time to dig into the Word of God. So as we quiet our hearts and our mouths, <laughs> it's time to get going. So let's have a word of prayer. Let's have a word of prayer together. Father God, now these words are so relevant and helpful to us because uh, like the first century believers who were being persecuted, uh, things have become a little difficult in our day and age as well for those who love you and walk according to absolute truth. We pray that the insights uh, here and the strategies that uh, the Holy Spirit will give the early church uh, will be well received in our hearts and well understood so we could be encouraged, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I like listening to oldies. I don't know about you. Now that I am one, <laughs> an oldie, uh, I enjoy really reminiscing on, you know, simpler, happier world back in the day. Uh, but I digress. Um, I heard one the other day. What the world needs now is love. Apparently, you have heard that song. It came out in the mid-60s. I was a mere child, and I really was. Uh, but uh, it was made popular by Burt Bacharach. There's a name for you. How about Dionne Warwick? <laughs> and uh, then that song uh, helped sell some Coca-Cola in the 70s. And uh, yeah, certainly a sweet and timely sentiment, right? And something that the Bible would agree with if we're talking God's love, which is night and day different from the world's version, as the Lord says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And that includes his love. His love is so different. It is, as we learned last week, uh, other-centered 100%. It only cares about the best interest of the beloved. It's selfless. It isn't based on feelings like the world's love and conditions and all of this. It's a decision. It's an act of the will. Uh, God's love, therefore, can do good to enemies and pray for its persecutors. And unlike the world's love, God's love has a moral component to it, doesn't it? It can love a person without affirming wrong or bad behavior. Because affirming somebody in any destructive behavior is neither loving nor wise. And God's love is just conquering. Man, um, always protects, always trusts, always hopes, the Bible says, of this love. Always perseveres. God's love never fails. And it's really what the world needs now. And as Peter has been saying, and will say again this morning, it's what the church needs now. The church has it, and the church needs more of it every day. Fresh love from the Father above. And so that's where we're going to start this week and right where we ended last week. In fact, we, we need for context to back up a little bit uh, into a paragraph or two that we already covered just for context. And, and so, and I like how the New Living Translation puts it. So uh, for a little change here, a flavor, uh, we pick back up where we left off last time, verse 22 of chapter 1. One, first Peter, 
You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. You see, when we believe in the Lord, it leads us to obey, and that is evidence that we are truly saved and truly believe by our obedience. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all of your heart, for you've been born again not to a temporary life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. As the scripture says, and that's Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of the Lord remains forever. Those who do the will of God remain forever as well, as he'll go on to say. And that word is the good news that was preached to you. Now we cover new ground, and then we make it three verses into chapter two. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, of all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, milk of the word some translations have because it's definitely in the text there, so that by it, the word of God, be nursed by the word of God, you may grow up into your salvation now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. So that is going to be our passage for reflection this morning, this beautiful words. And, and that's as far as we go. We only need a few verses there in chapter 2. And the reason we have to go back a little for context is because the chapter divides right in the middle of Peter's thought there. And so uh, for the full context and so that we can understand those opening verses of chapter uh, 2, we back up a little bit. Now, here's the context, and then we'll dive in, and we'll start talking about God's love again. So Peter's rounding out his opening remarks there in chapter 1 of his letter to persecuted believers, or feeling the heat, and he says, you know, got some good news. You've been saved by God's grace and mercy. Uh, There's new life. In Christ, he has raised you to a new uh, hope. And this new Christian life has brought them a lot of joy. And it's also brought them a lot of troubles, too, because the world around them is very hostile and adversarial, if you can believe it, uh, to God's absolute truth and to those who love him. And so uh, as he's closing out chapter 1, as I've been saying, uh, his thoughts spill over to chapter 2. But he's really coming up with three strategies for Christians, a congregation that's feeling the pressure. He says, these are three things you guys need to do to, to make it through. Number one, love one another deeply. Number two, get rid of evil behavior among you. And number three, nourish yourself with the word of God. If you do these three things... Love one another, get rid of the evil, and nourish yourself with the word of God. You're going to come through the fires and your troubles with flying colors. Uh, You'll be blessed. You'll be productive. You'll be satisfied in your heart. You'll be effective for him. And it's interesting that those three things, our three talking points, are really hard to do when you're suffering, all three of them. 
are, are not our natural inclination when we're under pressure to be loving. Uh, and sometimes our worst behavior is when we're hurting, the evil behavior that we're supposed to be getting rid of. But when we're under the gun, man, it's scary sometimes. And then thirdly, sometimes we just really don't want to be anywhere near the word of God uh, for whatever reasons. And so these are challenges and um, they are make it or break it strategies uh, for the congregation and for the Christian life. So let's put up that first paragraph and retrace our steps just a little bit to talk about this supernatural love, which of course is the most important commandment. And Jesus was asked, and here's what the Son of God said. Here's the most important thing. Love God with everything you got. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, all of your strength. And if you want to know what, <laughs> what comes right beneath that one is to love one another, to love each other and treat people the way you want to be treated. And of course he's implying that with the love of God, shed abroad in our hearts, as Romans 5 says, that we love with God's love, that supernatural. We love one another the way that God loves. And that's why Jesus said, when the world sees that, they're gonna know something's different. They will know you are Christians by your agape. It's that different kind of love, not the world's love, but God's love. So let's get going here with this call to love one another from our hearts. And this is really the most important thing here. So the context of what came right before that, just to refresh your uh, memories, is that he's saying, listen, you who are struggling and you're a Christian, you need to focus on the promises of God, not the problems. Focus on the blessing of what you have, not what you don't have. You see, it makes all the difference in the world. He's saying uh, you're born into this living hope. You're heirs of heaven. Uh, you have a life that cannot be killed. Nero cannot touch the real you. Jesus said in Matthew 10, it's almost funny. He says, listen, some of you, they're going to chop your head off. He said this, you're going to lose your head. But don't worry, not a hair on your head will be harmed. What? <laughs> Who cares about the hair on my head when my head's severed from my body? You know, he's saying, well, here's the one you should be afraid of. Not somebody who could just kill the body. Then after that, what can they do? Fear the one who, after you are severed from your body, has the right to either let you enter heaven or cause you to perish, you see, to condemn you. That's who you should be focused on. You don't have to worry about Nero, he says. Uh, so in the meantime, he says, in, uh, he goes on to say, this world, its thrills and all of its troubles too, it's passing away. It's temporary. It's in a downward spiral. He says, heaven and earth will pass away, but whoever does the will of God will live forever. So in the meantime, God's got this. He's got you. Uh, live your life to please him, trust in him. And uh, as the world becomes more and more aggressive, 
about squeezing you because you don't fit in anymore and you're shining the light everywhere. Well, just love one another, abstain from evil, and be nourished by the word of God. And here we are at God's love. So he's saying, listen, guys, God's love and loving one another is going to get you through this. It is going to do it for you. As you love each other deeply with God's powerful love, you're going to find comfort and healing for broken hearts. Because if your heart is broken and you're surrounded by people who are loving one another deeply, guess what? You are going to be comforted and encouraged. You're, you're going to have disappointments in a congregation of this size, uh, but if everybody's filled with love, you are going to be uplifted. Uh, you will find refreshment for your weary souls, and you'll find help with practical needs, because love isn't just about words. It's, it's expressed in action and indeed, so when there's a need in the body, if there is loving one another with all of your hearts, then those needs are going to be met. And yeah, you and, and renewed strength. When we're all fighting the same kind of battle, uh, the, and we're loving one another through it, man, there's just courage. This courage to keep fighting the good fight. You know, the secret of the stability of a redwood tree. Redwood trees should be the first to topple in a storm. They're so massive and so tall. But as many of you know, redwood trees, their roots grow this way and they entwine. And the whole grove is like one massive tree. And that storm comes through, whipping through a lot of wind. And at the end of that storm, those trees are standing. You hardly ever see a redwood go over. And probably it would be because the roots are not entwined properly. You see, so that's what happens when we love one another. And I just started thinking about over 20 years, 21 years here at The Rock, uh, at uh, that supernatural power of love just manifested and, and prevailing in one another's lives. I think of uh, our dear... Uh, member years ago in the early days who lost his wife uh, to a drunk driver. A drunk driver ran into her and their daughter. The daughter survived the crash but was in the ER and uh, she lost her life there at the scene. They're um, coming home from Annalee High School. And I went down to the ER and consoled him in the loss of his wife and comforted him uh, with his daughter in the ER needing, I think, uh, some surgery. And um, the doctor came by and said, hey, there's some people outside. And I could be moved right now remembering that scene. The church was about 100 people. I would say there was uh, 99 people out there, 100 people just he walked out and they were whoosh, all around him praying. And, and it wasn't just that night. It was for months and months and months and months of uh, meals and taking the kids out and 
walking them through because that's what love does. And I'll tell you what, that's just one example. It's an extreme one. But I've got literally hundreds of those kinds of stories. One man, I said, tell me about how you came to know the Lord. He said, well, it happened at this church. I came in here and I'll tell you what. He said, I've never been loved like that. I did, I've never known love like that. I didn't know people loved like that. Uh, he said, God bless my parents, but they didn't love me like that. And he had just broken up with a girl or the girl had just <laughs> broken up with him. And uh, he said, I just never seen this kind of love and it and it drew him um the woman who gave her heart to the lord today said she was at a home fellowship group and she said why do they keep loving me i'm not like them i keep asking questions uh why do they love me god's love is so powerful so through the highs and through the lows we've we've been grieving as a congregation through the years over certain losses and certain trials and tribulations. But I'll tell you what, we prevail because of this supernatural love among us. And um, we're very grateful uh, for that. And so, yeah, love one another deeply. The storm will pass and you guys will be still standing. And so... Uh, we move on now, he says, now, and, and here's the therefore, and, and, you know, we can go to chapter two now. Unfortunate chapter break, and did you know chapter breaks and verse, verses were uh, selected and added, I should say, uh, in the year 1200 A.D.? And so they're very helpful, but they, they, they're not inspired and so a good example of a misplaced chapter break would be right here. Because you don't know what, what therefore, therefore what? We're in chapter two now. We're done with chapter one. Oh no, that's why we had to go back there. Because now he's going to say, because love and God's love and loving one another is make it or break it, then you need to get rid of all the vices that are love's enemy. Now we understand why he's saying watch out for these five vices because they are love spoilers. See the context? But you wouldn't get that if you just turned to chapter 2 and started reading. And so therefore, since love is essential and without it, it'll be a big fat hole in the side of your boat. <laughs> You'll be a big nothing because what does 1 Corinthians say? It says, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says, you could be, and let's mix it up a little bit, you can have this church that has the greatest faith of all the churches in the world and know all of the knowledge of the Bible and have the greatest this and the greatest that. But if that church doesn't have love, it's a big fat zero. Just like the person who could have it. The whole world going on for you, <laughs> you know. But if you don't have love, biblical love, God's love, then it really is all for naught. So he's saying, since that's the case, that you'll be a big zero without love. Rid yourself of everything that's a love killer. Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. 
And let's talk about that. We're at second point, note takers. Rid yourself of evil behavior. So here are the five love spoilers, vices, and sad. But true, he's talking to believers. And uh, wherever you have people, you have vices like these, whether you're at the job site, workplace, uh, you know people that uh, express these kinds of character qualities, uh, if we can call them that, you see. Uh, yeah, in healthy churches, for sure, markedly less uh, unethical and unloving behaviors, but he is speaking to Christians because the Holy Spirit knows that uh, Christians, too, are not exempt from bad behavior. And if you've been around any length of time going to different churches, you will know bad behavior among Christians exists. Now, you know what? Not everybody in a church building is actually a believer. Shocking, I know. And not every believer happens to be walking with the Lord all the time and spiritually mature. Therefore, he has to tell believers about your little flare-ups. We need to get rid of that because you're not going to have a loving church or a loving environment with these five things going on. And so, first of all, you're going to have to be able to, by implication, know that you're being that way. In order to get rid of something, you have to see it. The Holy Spirit is really good at showing people who don't want to see it, who are really good at seeing these things in everybody else, except when we do that very thing. I'm thinking of what uh, Solomon, who said, don't uh, make such a big deal when you overhear somebody t speaking uh, badly of you and tearing you down. Because you yourself know you do the same thing many times. That's in Ecclesiastes. You see, we're really good at overreacting and, oh, I can't believe how malicious she is. Well, you know, let's rewind the tape and listen to some of the words out of your mouth in the, over the last year. You see, we all have a problem with this. And I'll tell you the truth. We weren't going to have communion. It's not communion Sunday. But I couldn't be in this message and feeling the conviction I felt for myself let alone an entire congregation, without offering communion at the end. Because when we get stirred up and God starts stepping on our toes and saying, really, really? Then we need to repent and confess and be cleansed. Amen. Amen. So that's why Jesus says, I want you to be watchful. I want you to listen to yourself when you're just chattering away. And he says a very sobering thing, doesn't he? Jesus says, you know what? On Judgment Day, we're going to talk about every careless word, every word that came out of your mouth. That's amazing. Christians won't be put to shame, but it's going to be reckoned with. We're going to reckon with it, and we're going to talk about it. So it's important we pay attention so we can rid ourselves. Now, what does the word rid mean? It means to reject or to lay aside. It's often used to take something off, like a piece of dirty clothing. Now, when the Bible says rid yourself of soiled clothing, the idea is unclean, and, and I've told you this before, the idea of soiled or defiled in the Bible has the connotation of sewerage. Uh, I hate to be the one to bring that up. Uh, but so 
And, and I started thinking, he's saying, listen, when you're malicious and mean-spirited and, and, and doing these things, it's as if you've been splattered. You've been working out there on the cesspool or whatever, and you got splattered. Now you need to get rid of that, right? And one would think that one would want to right away, immediately, like a 911 emergency, get that thing off of you, right? But no, it's not the case. Not the case, because sometimes we harden our hearts and then we get used to the um, fragrance, I guess, if we can put it that way. And so, yeah, he says, just, just take it off. Take it off like a piece of clothing. And the New Testament does a lot of this. Uh, Colossians chapter three, for the same idea, and the list is a little bit longer of the vices. He says, Paul writing this time, you used to walk in these terrible ways, the life you used to live, but now you must also rid yourself, there it is, of all such things as these. When you have your flare-ups, anger, rage, get rid of it. Malice, get rid of it. Slander, filthy language, get rid of it. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old dirty clothes with its evil practices and you put on new. You've, you've In Romans chapter 13 and verse 14, it says, clothe yourself with Christ. Put on Christ. That's an amazing little idiom there. And have, uh, you be, and have put on the new self. You've clothed yourself with the new God-created person which is being renewed in the knowledge of its image of its creator. In other words, you come to Christ, you start to figure out who God is, and then the process begins of taking off the old and putting on the new, becoming more like who God is and who God created people to be. Uh, let's get to the list of the filthy laundry. Number one, malice. It means uh, it's one of the uglier characteristics of sinful people. Um, it's, the, it's the desire to harm someone, usually in the sense of tearing them down. Uh, you don't like them for whatever reasons, and you don't want anybody else to like them. And so, yeah, you have it out for them, whatever. You have a perceived offense, or they hurt you, or, or whatever it is. You're just happy to see them suffer, and you're glad to do your part <laughs> to make that happen. And that doesn't describe God. He's not mean or spiteful. The devil is. The devil's malicious. That's why you want to get rid of that. Number two, deceit. It comes from the word bait or fish hook. And it, it speaks here of the ways that we can be disingenuous with each other. What I mean by that is a slippery kind of person. You're just never really sure <laughs> where they're at. You know, you just kind of, they're saying the right words and they're in the right places, but you get this feeling like, <gasps> you know, what is up with that? This shady, just crafty kind of, and I think everybody knows that uh, sometimes we can be manipulative like that. So God, how's God? <laughs> He's a straight shooter. He's just true blue. He's just honest and open-handed, you know? The devil, he's called the father of lies. That's the reason why you want to get rid of 
deceitfulness. Number three, hypocrisy means pretending to be something you're not. Two-faced. You're, you're one way here on Sunday, and then on Monday or Friday night, should I say, you're somebody else. And so, yeah, lots of smiles and nice words, but underneath, there's somebody else. You know, we all have uh, a somebody else that's a private person in one regard, but there's a difference between uh, playing into it and uh, trying to uh, deceive people with phoniness and being a fake. You know, like the Pharisees. Oh, they'd always come around to Jesus, who they're trying to kill. And they'd always start the conversation with, oh, good teacher. Oh, good teacher. You know, just that fake thing. So since the devil's a phony, a fake. In fact, it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 that he likes to masquerade. It's the word for the mask as an angel of light. So yeah, no, you, you want to be real. You want to be genuine. And that's okay to have faults as a, as a believer. You know, you don't always have to have the victory. You know, it's okay to struggle because guess what? Everybody in the room is struggling. So you can be real because there's love here. So if we're loving one another, then it's okay to be real and not fake. It's where you don't feel loved and you don't feel accepted, then the masks have to come up. You know, I was in a church where everybody had the victory, you know, and they always said it like that too. We got the victory, you know, and I was like, well, you know, and then so I didn't have the victory, but when I was around them, I had the victory. <laughs> you know, why do you, you don't want to be the loser in the group that doesn't have the victory all the time, you know, and so, but see where there's love, then I'm okay to be the struggler that I am, you know? Because love knows how to sympathize and doesn't judge like that. Final word is slander. And he says slander of every kind because it's easy to harm people in a variety of ways with our words. And so slander uh, means to really... Speak falsely of somebody or with the intent to harm. It's very similar to being malicious. Uh, accusing them, uh, really trying to, to murder them with your words. It's called character assassination. You know, you're going to show them and uh, you just make sure that whoever you, and gossip is a part of this. Gossip comes from a word to whisper. So you're like, well... <laughs> This is what I heard about John. I just, I'm not going to tell them. I'm going to tell you guys. But John, unbelievable. You're not going to believe this. He actually, do you see how excited you guys got? You, you sinners, you all wanted to know what John did, you know? And the Bible says we are so sick that when someone says, hey, I got something about I'm going to tell you, it's like a little dainty, the Bible calls it a dainty morsel. For a long time, I didn't know what that was until my wife explained it to me. Because girls like dainty morsels. You know those, what? Don't start, don't start. 
Dainty morsel is one of those little pretty little dessert little things with the little flower on it, you know, whatever. Okay, moving on. <laughs> You're supposed to be nice to me, not malicious. <laughs> All right, so yeah, this, this is what he wants. And, and, and is, it, is it as easy as just taking it off and stopping it? The Bible thinks so. The Bible thinks that when you have what is Peter's going to say, that we participate in the divine nature. That doesn't mean we're God or deity. It just means he lends us his power, his divine power, so that we can, quote, escape the corruption in ourselves and in the world. So God thinks, God's under the impression that if you cooperate and say no, and getting rid of this, that he supplies the the supernatural power that it takes, and it, it, it is, and it must be, supernatural power. And uh, it's as easy as just uh, saying no and deciding what things need to go. So, yeah, it's easy to see the converse, what love is, by reversing these five vices. So if we looked at the first one, love is kind not mean. It gives people the benefit of the doubt. You know, it's gracious. Number two, it's not deceitful. It's honest and loyal and good and true. Number three, love doesn't wear masks. It's not phony. It's just genuine. Have you ever heard this? I love that guy. He's so genuine. Mm. It's nice to run into genuine people. Uh, number four, I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm number four. <laughs> Love doesn't envy. It's glad for people's advantages or blessings. I think I skipped the envy one, right? Well, well, I don't think I need to explain envy to you, right? Envy is that longing for what somebody else has and resenting them for having it. And the Proverbs say, to help deter you from this wicked behavior, that envy is like rotting bones inside of you. It's cancerous. So get rid of envy. Uh, because love, love is happy. When, we hear, when love hears you've been promoted or you've got an inheritance or whatever else we would inherit, uh, uh, envy, I should say, uh, yeah, we're glad. Love's God, you know. And so, yeah, finally, love doesn't use words to hurt people. <laughs> uses uh, words to build them up, protect them. I just love it when somebody is brave enough in a conversation to say, hey, 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 hey. We don't know all of the facts. And I know John to be something good, right? It just be, it's a beautiful thing, and that's what God does. He, stick, he sticks up for people. The devil, not so much. So here's the transition. Now that we're loving one another like nobody's business and getting the dead, diseased wood out of the way, working on abstaining from evil, now he says, finally, crave the word of God, nourish yourself. There's a wealth, there's a wellspring of life called the living, active word of God that flows from the author of life. Get a craving for that. 
get it into your heart and life. You need it. Like little newborn babies crave the pure spiritual milk of the word. Now, here's a nice little metaphor to finish up with. Uh, you know, the description is a newborn baby, like all mammals. You don't have to tell them, hey, you're going to want to want that milk. You don't need to tell them that. They are born with this innate desire for milk. It's pretty amazing. It's one of those like mysteries, like, wow, this is a God thing, you know? And the idea here is that we've been given new birth, and he likes the analogy. He's saying, you've been born again, you know, you're a child of God, and now there's the milk that you need if you're going to grow. You know, there's this thing called the Peter Pan syndrome where, where men don't want to grow up. And I suppose you could, <laughs> whoops, <laughs> there might be some Peter Pans over there. <laughs> you know, anyway, uh, yeah, you can say women are like that too. But Peter Pan people are, <laughs> they just don't want to be adults probably because of the responsibility involved. But here, and you have Peter Pan syndrome in Christianity, where people just want to get saved and then just kind of, they're, they're spiritually lazy. They don't want to grow and they remain children. But the, Paul the apostle says, look, when I was a child, I acted like a child. But when I became a man, when I grew up, when I became an adult, I put those things away. And here's a call to just grow up already, to say, <clears throat> to say, you know what? I'm done playing games. I'm either in or out, and I'm in. And the way to do that is by nourishing yourself with the word of God. It's pretty amazing stuff. And so the milk of the word is kind of like that ad campaign that was so uh, uh, successful uh, a couple decades ago by now. Gut milk, you know, milk is just an amazing thing. It's got so many vitamins, so much protein, so so many minerals that you need. It's got everything in it. So it makes a great analogy because it's the word of God. The word of God has everything we need. Now, our Lord Jesus, what did he say? If you think that you can live by just eating food, you're wrong. You will die. You can't live by just food alone. You need every word that proceeds from the source of life, God himself. And we find that in his word I know some of you know my story, a little bit of it. I was 19 and salvation came like in one heartbeat. I went into a, a club uh, looking for trouble. And uh, what did I find? I found Jesus and I got saved. And, uh, you know, it wasn't easy being 19 year old and a party guy. And then it's like, now what? I, and that week, I moved in with my mom and dad. My dad had just become a Christian. And my dad saw I was struggling. I just like was dazed and confused, had a lot of fear. So he called a random church, and a random youth pastor came who just happened to be uh, my mentor for 42 years now. 
so randomly, this guy comes in, and, he, and, and I'm telling him oh, all of my problems, my anxiety, and my fear. And he opened up to Philippians 4, and the first words I heard as a believer were Philippians 4, have no anxiety about anything but in everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart. And finally, whatever things are true and right and noble and just and worthy of praise and excellent, think on these things and the God of peace will be with you. Oh my goodness. I remember sitting there as you all are now remembering your first time in the word, like water cleansing and, and, and coming in and satisfying your soul. I felt my heart warming. I felt my mind clearing. I felt energy coming into me. I, it was just like I have found the spring I found the source. There he is. There he is. Because that's the thing about the word. It's him. When you are in the word, you're with him. He's with you. It's his voice. It's his power. He's doing work even when you don't feel like it. His life there. And so Peter's saying, look, you need to nurture a craving is an acquired taste for sinful people who are used to satisfying our desires, consuming uh, things with, with zero uh, good nutrients is what I'm trying to say. You know, uh, this is what we need. Now, I mean, the benefits of the word of God are, is crazy. I've got five slides. Uh, real quick, we'll just go through them. The benefits of the word of God. The word of God, you will find the source of Christian maturity, as in our verse, the source of knowing right from wrong, the source of equipping us to serve God, the source of answered prayer. He says, if you remain in my word, ask what you will, according to God's will. That's an, and just interesting. He says, remain in my word. Source of victory over sin. You see, how can a young man keep his way pure? By hiding your word in my heart. Yeah. Source of moral transformation that we're sanctified through the word. Source of faith. Faith comes from hearing the word of God. Do you need more faith? Read more of the word of God. Source of victory over the evil one. The, the evil one is... A, <laughs> is firing attacks on, on our Lord. And the Lord shows us how to deal with evil attacks. He says three times, it is written, it is written, it is written. Word of God, word of God, word of God. And the devil flees. That's an amazing thing. Are you feeling like a punching bag for the evil one? Get the word of God on board. Get it going on. Source of success, it's the word of God. It just prospers us uh, in lots of different ways. It's the source of guidance. Your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Source of wisdom, source of spiritual cleansing. You are clean, Jesus said to his disciples, by the word spoken to you. 
My word has washed you. The source of comfort and hope, source of joy. Do you need more joy? Do you need more comfort? Do you need more hope? Do you need more healing? He sent his word and healed them. You see, so I think that's all. Yes, that's all. So for those reasons, we need to crave. And, and, and you know what? When people come and see me with all kinds of struggles and problems, usually the question of Christian disciplines will come up. Well, have you you've been reading your Bible? No. How long has it been since you've read your Bible? Well, I'm not really a Bible reader. You see, I often find that the degree of your struggle is the, in keeping with the degree of your habit in the Word of God. The Word of God will equip you to know how to behave in your marriages. It'll give you wisdom. It just is life-sustaining. Now, I try to, and I've always tried to read a chapter from the Old Testament, maybe at a chapter from the Psalms, and a chapter from the New Testament, minimally, in a day's time. You know, the thing about the Bible is you don't need to read a lot of it. You just need to understand a little bit of it. So just to have a habit and a craving and a longing. I don't know about you, but oh my goodness, sometimes I'll be hurting or I'll be dealing with something and I'll just go, oh, and I open up my Bible app and boom, there it is right there. Relief, sanity, peace and comfort and resolve. I just think that familiarity breeds contempt. In other words, we forget what we have in the Bible. You see, let me close out with a couple things, but probably. <laughs> but, but this first thing, for sure. Um, I've told you about this guy. Let's call him Mike, because that's his name. And I bumped into him at Food for Less, and we started talking. And I said, Mike, that reminds me of a scripture. It's one of my favorite ones. I'm just witnessing to him. And I, and I said, if God is for us, who could be against us? He goes, what? And, and I'm like, if God is for us, who could be against us? He goes, whoa, wow. He goes, well, that's like something you would say at Thanksgiving, you know? <laughs> And he's, and he's all excited. And he's like, wow, say it again, say it again. And I said, if God is for us, who could be against us? I'm going to go home and say that to my girlfriend. And I'm going, you do that. That's good. And then he's like, wow, man, he's still bouncing around. I said, dude, chill out. I could get you a book with, with a whole bunch of those kinds of things. That just See, for, for me to see that, that the word was just grabbed his heart and God was like, here I am right here, you know, and he was brought to life almost right then and there in aisle seven, you know, <laughs> food for less. You got the word of God, got some problems, you know, there, and this is the second thing I had to close with. <laughs> it's called failure to thrive. Some babies they just don't gain weight. And it's basically because they don't crave the milk. They're not good at it. And if they do drink, there's something wrong with assimilating it. 
you see. Don't be a Christian who fails to thrive. Be a Christian who prays and says, God, you know, I need more of the word of God. I need to love the word of God. Let me show you Psalm 1, two verses, and let's reverse it, and you'll see what I'm talking about. The godly person, in Hughes writing, delights in the law of the Lord, that's the word, delights in the word, and meditates on the word day and night. That person's like a tree planted by streams of water, lush and fruitful in season, and its leaf never withers, and whatever they do prospers. Now let's reverse it. Okay, let's add the godly, the, the, the person who doesn't delight in the word, who doesn't meditate on the word day and night. That person's like a tree planted far away from the streams of water in the desert where it's dry, which yields its fruit. Well, does it? It doesn't yield a lot of fruit when it doesn't have any water and nutrients whose leaf withers. Whatever they do is hindered, you see. So these are three areas that God gives us. He says, love one another deeply, get rid of the evil stuff, and nourish yourself with the word of God, and you're going to make it. Let's pray. Father God, these are things very challenging, and we're, we're really glad to end with communion as we take time to reflect on these areas, Lord, of how we might have fallen short of loving one another, how we might have tolerated evil behavior that needs to go, and how we've not nourished but neglected uh, the reading of your word, the meditating on it, the being nourished to delight ourselves in it. So help us, God. As we confess our struggles and pray that you wash us clean and put these new right desires in us, afresh and anew, Lord, just the process. Two steps forward, three steps back sometimes, God. And thank you for the merciful ways you deal with us. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to The Rocks Podcast. Our regular services are held on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you'd like to learn more, please visit our website at cctherock.org.